The Brad Sessmat Show, broadcasting live. It's good Thursday. Thanks for being with us. We have Chris Mad Dog Russo. Mad Dog's going to be with us today. We're going to talk some spring training baseball because it's 70, and I feel like talking baseball today. I cannot wait for uh, spring training right around the corner, in particular with the Diamondbacks. Great season we had. If you remember correctly, Chris said he would retire if the Diamondbacks beat the Phillies. He did not retire, which I think is a good thing for all of us. High heat, MLB Network, national personality, Chris Mad Dog Russo will be with us at about 10.15-ish. And then Bryce Drew, they have a big game tonight at home. You know, GCU has the second longest win streak in the nation, including over San Diego State. They're still not ranked because people look at the WAC and say, eh, it's the WAC. And I get it. I get it. But there's a lot behind this team that I really like. I like their four guards. I was at the ASU-UCLA game last night. More on that in a minute. Um, and when I see really good guard play and guards that work well together, I think ASU is still a little bit of a work in progress. I do. But GCU is not. And I saw the U of A game back this morning. If you have very good guard play, in March, you're going to get it done. I think it's just time to start looking. We have the Final Four here in Mar- in April. I saw a bunch of the Final Four people last night at the ASU game. So Bryce Drew, big game tonight, and a little bit in-depth on some of his players. That will be coming up on today's show. Opening comments are brought to you by Desert Financial Credit Union. Desert Financial Credit Union taking care of you, taking care of your business. I saw Jeff Mishi at center court last night uh, giving away a Bronco with our buddies at Santan Ford. Jeff Mishi and the people at Desert Financial and their company, they are terrific. Looking forward to seeing their event this coming Saturday. Where to start? You know, the easy thing, if I'm doing a national show today, but because here in Arizona, there's so many of you bandwagon cowboy fans, you know, the cowboy fans, if you're new to what we do here, you, um, well, you're insufferable. You are. I don't know where it came from. I don't know where it stemmed from. I don't know if it's a Texas thing. I don't know if here in Arizona, before the Cardinals, they just showed the Cowboy games. Obviously, there's more Cowboy fans all over the place, but they're only Cowboy fans when their team wins. You know, the amount of bandwagon jumping broken ankles that I've had to drive around the last few days after what happened to them, getting jack stomped at home, um, it's been, it's been kind of hard to navigate for me. And they announced that Mike McCarthy's coming back next season. Guys doing national shows just have to be jumping up and down because it's pretty easy. If you go on the air and say the Cowboys this, Cowboys that, and try to give some context to it and try to defend them or rip them or whatever, it's just low-hanging fruit. So all I'm going to say is, you know, this is, this is what you have. This is your owner. This is your team. It's great you have a team. Um, until people are like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to attend. I'm, and they don't care. Jesus, you're going to continue to put up with a franchise that does nothing when it comes to the postseason. So, I mean, at least the, you know, at least the Cardinals' expectations when they do make the postseason every five, eight, ten years, whatever it is, nobody expects it. You know, Cowboys every year they expect, and they never, never, ever are able to deliver. So that was on my radar yesterday afternoon and last night. As I mentioned, I went to the ASU game last night. So full disclosure, I left because I have a lot of things to do, and God created a DVR for a reason. So I got back here, and I watched the end of the game back, and uh, I watched the, the play in question of Sean Phillips being thrown out of the game and the four technicals and Bobby Hurley losing his mind after the game was over. I am not going to talk about You know, that's going to be a meme for a long time. I am not 
going to say what I really want to say. I am not Bobby come do the show. Sit here in the host chair. I am not going to say what say what you really want to say. I kind of regretted not sticking out because man, UCLA is a hard watch. I know they're trying to figure some things out with Cronin, but gosh almighty. It's a friend of mine who's a former assistant coach at UCLA, and he was at the game last night. We're texting back and forth. He's like, this is the most unathletic team of UCLA I've ever seen. And I'm agreeing with him. That was a hard watch. Last time we're going to see the Bruins, as we know them, in Desert Financial Arena because they're leaving, and it was not an entertaining game. Then the dust-up happens in the second half. ASU led by 15. They should have cruised to a victory. They should be sitting here today saying, looking forward to USC, a team I think they could beat. But instead, nope. And Bobby should have lost his mind. If I went into that post game and sat there and watched him do his thing, it's, why don't you say what you really want to say? Just take the fine. Take the fine or take the suspension. What's What's the worst that's going to happen? The league is going away anyways. It was a BS call, in my opinion. And I'm not one, if you've sat here and watched, I am not one that says, oh, you know, it's always the ref's fault. I, I feel like in this day and age, more and more announcers of teams just sit there and part of their deal is we have to placate the fans that are listening by every single game questioning officials. Every single night. Every single game. And it comes across as whiny and petulant, in my opinion. And it happens way too much on all, you know, college and pro. And I don't know where that, you know, stemmed from. That was just a bad loss. It's one of the worst losses in the Bobby Hurley era. I liked how Frankie Collins didn't go down that path. Talked about composure. Talked about hanging in there. Um, I, I, I think if Bobby today probably had to be talked off the ledge last night, I think if it, looking back on it, he should have just taken the penalty. Yep, I'm not going to be allowed to coach against USC. Or is it if you go after the refs that hard, you feel like you're just going to open back up the flesh wound of Bobby Hurley. We walk into the arena, we're already down four, six, eight, ten point, whatever it is. But it was a bad loss. Anybody tries to sugarcoat that? Come on, man. Points, paychecks, I don't know. If you are if you get a check from ASU, you're going to, oh, it's the rest fault. No. no. It was a bad call. should never have lost your composure in that way to that team. That team's not good. U of A, they play really well at home. They do. I don't know why they don't play well on the road. I don't. But last time I checked, they're not going to be going to a um, – they're not going to be going to a home game in the NCAA tournament. They're not. And so that side of it to me is uh, it's interesting to watch them play. They handled USC with ease last night. USC is not very good. GCU and while Bryce drew on in about 15 minutes, 20 minutes thereabouts. Second longest win streak in the country at home should take care of business about the midway point of conference. It's interesting because I think the NCAA has to look at what's going on at GCU from a bunch of different lenses. In the past, I would sit here and say all they have to do, or the only way they get in the tournament, is to win the WAC postseason tournament in Las Vegas, which we'll be at. Every March, we go to Vegas, we go to the Pac-12, ASU may play a 2 p.m. game, 
GCU may play a 4.30 p.m. game. I'm in my Lyft. I'm in my Uber. I'm going from T-Mobile over to the Orleans. If you're a basketball fan, you have to experience it. And then you get back in the Lyft and you get there for the U of A game. It's amazing. They're both at the same time. And the Orleans at T-Mobile is nothing. It's like a, I think it's like a $10, $12 Lyft. So the thing about GCU is when you have a winning streak like they have, the teams that they played that are going to measure in postseason, San Diego State, South Carolina, they lost. South Carolina beat San Diego State. Could the WAC have an at-large team, which would really upset the apple cart? That's not happened before. Is there a team, is GCU at a point where they're just going to be the 15, 14, 13 seed? Or... It was Bryce Drew building something over there that, no, they're not just going to be the winner of the whack. They're actually going to get a little bit higher seed because they're pretty good. They're pretty good. Like that, that group of guards that they have over there, that foursome of guards, I would put up against U of A, and I'd put up against ASU. And if you think, you know, if you're a U of A honk, of course you're going to say, oh, we have Caleb Love. Yeah, and Bar- yeah you do. You do. But I think a transfer from, from Kansas and a transfer from Oregon, a transfer from Georgia State, or really as tough as nails, and the returning whack player of the year in the backcourt. It's not all about the brands anymore. It's not. How about Brent Brennan yesterday being introduced as the new football coach at U of A? Got choked up, got emotional. It's all about Tommy, 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 Tommy. And that's what people wanted in this hire. I was talking to a guy the other night, one of our partners, um, and he was not happy at all with the decision by U of A to, uh, to go this direction with Brent Brennan. And it's fine. It's fine to, to go that path. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But I, I believe that the, the culture that Tommy had there and the old cigar booster and the people that saw that program in a different light and where we are right now with Portal and NIL and everybody just chasing their own tail I think a guy like Brent Brennan is pretty refreshing, actually. I want to give him a chance. I am going to give him a chance. Um, you know, DeMond Williams, to give you an idea of how crazy, I just wrote this, put my three-dot thoughts on the site today. When you see DeMond Williams, who was player of the year last year, top runner-up player of the year this year, quarterback over at Basha, and he already put his name in the portal. So he committed to Jed Fish. He did not commit to Brent Brent. He committed to a coach. He did not commit to a school. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But I do believe that there is something to any, and I tell people this, that some people say, why don't you get in the consulting business of NIL and college and all that stuff? I don't know. I'm busy. I'm busy. Maybe as an empty nester. I don't know. But if I'm sitting with somebody, I always tell them, if the family says, I want your advice on college recruiting, are you committing to the coach? Or are you committing to the school? If you commit to the coach, you're going to be heartbroken because the coach is probably not going to be there. If you're committing to the school, okay. If you want the full experience, or you could be like more and more kids that just jump, shop around, go from one place to the other. I don't have a problem with DeMond Williams because at Washington, he may be the quarterback next year because they have nobody. If Noah Fafita stays, and you're not going to know if Noah Fafita is going to stay until the end of April. All this conversation we're having here in January it could all be for naught when you get through spring ball and the other portal opens up. That's one of the worst things that the colleges of the, the leadership, leadership of college has done. 
we're going to have a second period where you can transfer. Okay, so in spring ball, you might be behind somebody. You're not going to push yourself that much. Right? No, peace out. I'm just going to go over here. It's terrible. And I don't blame Damon Williams for this. I don't blame any kid who was in high school up until December 15th and they decide to leave and enroll early. And then the coach leaves. <laughs> Imagine, hey, let's go to Target and pick up some stuff. Y'all moved in, son. You good? Yep. Peace out. I'm done with high school. I'm a freshman in college in January. And six days later, hey, mom, bad coach left. Uh, uh, that's where we are now. It's terrible. Terrible. Mad Dog Russo. Mad Dog Unleashed. Chris and I will chop it up. It's 70 degrees here in Arizona while the rest of you are freezing your asses off around the country. And I just want to talk some baseball, spring training baseball, with Chris Russo. And we'll do that next. From the Hall of Famer John Smoltz to the Hall of Fame broadcaster Christopher Mad Dog Russo, who joins us for a few minutes. He really shouldn't be here because he threatened to retire if the Diamondbacks got past the Phillies, which they did. We're really happy you didn't. Um, it's good to see you, Chris. And as we go into spring training here in Arizona, uh, you've been out here in Arizona in the past for spring. And what do you make out of it out here, Chris? Oh, I love it. And you're right. I got lucky. I mean, uh, Tori Lavello and uh, Mr. Hall and everybody else bailed me out when I went out there for the World Series. I love Arizona spring training. Well, Florida, the community might support the team. It's a little different. You know, in Arizona was so many different little teams and uh, little towns with all the teams. The attendance may not be as great. While in obviously Florida, you got a lot of New Yorkers, mm -hmm. a lot of Northeasterners who go down to see the Red Sox and Fort Myers, they go see the Yankees in Tampa, they go see the Mets in Port St. Lucie, and they, they fill out the stadiums better, while, of course, the Indians and Reds are the same little facility in Goodyear. It's a little different, or the Guardians and the Reds. Uh, but as far as the actual getting in and out, the weather, um, the uniqueness of it, Arizona spring training, I used to love to go. The time difference always helped me, too. Two hours, I used to go before the uh, they changed the clocks. I loved it. So the spring training in Florida, in Arizona, was much better in my eyes than the spring training in Florida. What do you look forward to most, Mad Dog, when you come to a spring training facility, whether it be in Florida or in Arizona? A guy in your space, you do high heat on MLB Network. You do a lot of national stuff. Was it for somebody like you, when number 99 is throwing to number 77, they're not going to be part of the deal. So, Chris, what do you take from spring? Uh, you know, the idea of what spring training is always all about, you know, hope springs eternal. You know, everybody's in a pretty good mood. Uh, you know, availability is there. You can get all the managers on on radio. You can get the general managers on. Nobody's lost five straight yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, nobody's 10 games out on May 1st. So from that perspective, you know, everybody's, you know, pretty hepped up. They're first thing in the morning. They're not tired of baseball. Physically, they feel good. Their spirits are up. Uh, even the Rockies, you know, for instance, would be, yeah. you know, somewhat optimistic. I think just a good feeling that a new season is upon us. You know, spring training, football in July and August, although football, there's a physicality aspect to it that teams hate training camp, players do. But the NBA, the basketball too, there's always a good sense that, hey, a new season, anything can happen. We got a chance. You know, why not feel optimistic? 
you know, those kinds of things. And it rubs off on the folks who cover it. So I think the idea that it's the um, it's the start of a new year that goes a long way. And I think everybody feels pretty good. And with baseball, the 14 teams, seven teams or six, 12 teams, each team making a having a chance to make the playoffs. You don't need to win 95 games necessarily. Arizona last year, 84. I think that all plays into it. It's yeah, a good time of the year, late February. Yeah, yeah. Mad Dog Russo with us for a couple of minutes as we talk about the start of spring training right around the corner with 15 teams training here in the Cactus League. I had John Smoltz on earlier, Chris, and we ended up going down the path for him of golf, obviously, because back to his days with the Braves and Bobby Cox was like, you're not going to see John here. You're not going to see Glavin here. They're going to be out working on their game. But trust me, you're going to see them in September and in October. That was his getaway. What's your getaway, Mad Dog? If you come to Arizona, do you have some spots? Do you have some things you like to do out here? Or do we need to love to do One thing I used to love to do is stay at the Biltmore. Uh, you know, remember... Oh, with the time difference, the radio show was done either at four or five o'clock because it was I was either on the six or the seven, usually the seven in those days, two to seven, uh, you know, sometimes three to six, but two to seven, which meant that I get up cracked on. I'd go right to the stadiums. You know, I used to go do social at quarter to eight in Tempe every day we set it up. And if you were five seconds late, he wouldn't do the interview. So you'd have to get there five minutes early. But if you got there early, he put you in the office, shut the door, gave you 13 minutes, and you a great spot. And I would play the spot back later in the day. But you knew in my t- with the time difference, based on being in New York and the time aspect of it, I would be done at 5 o'clock. And a lot of the work for the show, five or six interviews, spread out the spots, would be done too. So by 5 o'clock, I can get in the car and I would be able to drive back to the Biltmore, whatever that drive might be. And I would be, you know, out uh, outdoors with the little fireplaces star and yeah. have a cocktail at 530 in the afternoon. Or I go take a long run along that canal at the Biltmore and be back there. So I'd have to get up early in the morning, you know, 536 o'clock. But I knew my day would be over at five while in Florida, the show would not have the time difference elements to it. So I would be done at six or seven o'clock. I remember one year I was in Vieira, finished at two to seven. That was with the Nationals and had a drive to Sarasota to do the next day with whoever. I think it was probably the Orioles. And so I get to Sarasota at 10 o'clock and I'd have to get up next day at seven to go to do the team at Sarasota. So the time difference aspect and the Biltmore and the fact there wasn't a long drive to the next site was so much easier. So from that standpoint, a run, good weather, and obviously uh, spring, tra- you know, the fact that it could be done at 5 o'clock. I remember one year I was in Antigua on vacation with my wife. I flew home on Saturday morning. I went Saturday afternoon, Antigua to New York, dropped my wife off at Kennedy. I went to the American terminal and get on a flight to Phoenix. And I got to Phoenix at two o'clock in the morning after leaving, you know, uh, traveling 17 hours. But I had all Sunday, all day Sunday off in Arizona where I didn't have to work because I did Monday through Friday that week, that year 
in Arizona. So I had all day Sunday in Phoenix to mellow out after I got there at two o'clock in the morning. So I did a lot of crazy things in those days to make sure I had a five or six day period in Phoenix. And if I had that one day I could work with at the Biltmore with no work to do, that was always fun. Are you a golfer or a hiker? I am. I did not. I am a golfer. I did not bring my clubs uh, to play in Arizona. What? Because it's, I, I just too much of a pain in the neck to travel them on a plane. I wasn't going to rent yeah, them. Yeah. I remember I can't play golf during the week because I got to be at the ballpark at seven o'clock in the morning because I, I don't get out of there to four o'clock. Cause I had to be at the park when the players came in yeah, sure. when they were available to talk to me. So as a result of that, it became a tricky situation. So I did not play golf during that week and I didn't play the tennis. I like to do that too. I essentially just, you know, ran, I always liked to run, and got done at 5 o'clock. It was a fun week. I always enjoyed it. I actually thought about figuring out a way to do it this year, yeah. and I can't this year because I got Super Bowl and everything else to lose, and I'm going to the Caribbean a little later than I normally do. But I thought about trying to get the Phoenix to do a week of radio this year. And, and in my scenario, it worked out well. It was three or four weeks after the Super Bowl, Nobody cares about NBA basketball in late February, and it's a week or two before the NCAA tournament. So that week in Arizona and or Florida always worked out well with a radio schedule. Now, Doc Russo, Hall of Famer, with us for a few minutes. High Heat, MLB Network, Sirius XM all over the place. It's a pleasure to catch up with the Hall of Famer. I want to turn over to the on the field. Do you think the Rangers and Diamondbacks, Chris, I'm not going to put you on the spot like on the Stern Show where you're going to run around with a bikini if those two teams meet again in the World Series. But as we sit here today looking at spring into the season, offseason's complete, there's no way you can pick against the Dodgers. Is there a mad dog? No, no way. Not in a regular season you can't pick against the Dodgers. We all know postseason to crapshoot. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, Texas will sign Jordan Montgomery. Had to get that RSN thing straightened out. Maybe that Amazon buying help there. I think Arizona is going to be pretty good. Uh, I was a great signing with Rodriguez. He pitched well. Uh, they learned and they found some pitching. Uh, Foff uh, did a good job. You know, you got Gallon sitting there, Merrill Kelly, uh, young players, some experience. I think Arizona will have a good season again. Um, I think Texas will have a good season. Crapshoot wise, postseason, who knows? regular season-wise, the Dodgers are going to win 105 games. I mean, you can write the, the, the there's no race in the NL West. I mean, the Dodgers just have too much talent. Teoscar Hernandez is going to help them. Yamamoto, we know about Otani. They're going to win 105. The, the regular season, as far as winning the division, there's no race. It's going to be a bore. But once you get to the postseason, that's the great beauty of baseball. It's a crapshoot. And the Dodgers can lose three games to anybody. So I'm not sure about where we stand with L.A. in the postseason. Regular season-wise, the rest of the NL in the West, Dodgers, Pod- I mean, uh, Giants, Padres, Diamondbacks, they're playing for a wild-card spot. Uh, but I think the Diamondbacks got a hell of a chance to win a wild-card spot. I mean, they got a, you know, this is a pretty good team. And, you know, they, 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 they should win upper of 80, 88 games, 89 games. So they should make the playoffs. They got a hell of a chance to make it as a wild card. But you have to assume as the season begins, Braves and Dodgers, the NL Central's a crapshoot, but the Braves and Dodgers should win their respective divisions, which then means that Philadelphia, Arizona, maybe the Giants, maybe San Diego 
are going to fight for wild card spots in the National League. What do you make out of the managerial changes? We're talking Cactus League and just a couple of them. Craig Council goes from Milwaukee to the Cubs. You've got Bo Mel going from San Diego up to the Giants. Those two teams in particular, I know you said the Giants are in the West, no shot in terms of the, the division title. Maybe wild card, maybe not. Council Melvin. Uh, listen, I think Council will help. The, I mean, first off, I didn't think Ross deserved to be fired. Ross did a good job with the Cubs. I mean, so I'm not sure exactly where Council is going to make the Cubs a lot better on the field. I think Council is a good manager, but let's also remember that Council is one and nine in his last ten playoff games. So mm. uh, again, uh, you know, he lost to three straight to Arizona. He lost three out of four to Atlanta. I mean, Council has yet to prove that he's a big time. No, he's a good manager, but he hasn't won in a postseason either. So I it, and Ross to me got a raw deal. I Council is a better manager than Ross track record wise, but I don't know where he makes the Cubs a lot better. Melvin, I thought Kapler got a raw deal too. Um, you know, you can't sit there and tell me that the that, that the Giants were a big time roster oriented team. Uh Zaidi got a break. I mean, hold on now. I mean, where is that roster so much better that he had to fire Kapler? He should have gone out the door with Kapler, too. Now, Melvin's probably a better, and I like Bob, and he's a better manager than Kapler. So it's funny. Both GMs fired their existing managers to bring in better managers. But I don't know if Zaidi deserved to stay. And I'm not sure if Ross deserved to be fired from from Mel, for uh, Council, who has not shown that he can win in postseason yet. Never been to a World Series. Lost to the Dodgers twice. Lost to Washington. Lost to Atlanta. Terrible loss to Arizona. So I'm not exactly sure. Just because being counseling, you can win a lot. Uh, and Farhan deserved to go just as much as Kapler did. If you wanted to fire Kapler, how does Zaidi stay? I don't understand. I mean, he he put the roster together, and the roster stinks. And they can't bring a big free agent in. And given Hicks $44 million, I don't think that's the answer. Robbie Ray is not going to be available until the middle of the summer. So I'm not sure if that's the answer. And the kid they signed from Japan, he's sort of like a Nimmo, and they gave him $113 million. So the Giants can't get anybody to take their money is what it comes down to. So uh, I'm not sure if either one of those teams, Cubs or Giants, are going to be that much better. The Giants would definitely have problems because they got the Dodgers in the division. The NL Central is wide open because those teams aren't very good. So the Cubs have a chance. But, um, you know, again, Dodgers and Braves, Phillies, Diamondbacks four. Those are your four teams in the National League as we stand right now. I appreciate your time and insights, Chris. Thanks. Let's go off that. Great job. Thanks for having me. Appreciate coming on here today. There's Mad Dog Russo, High Heat, MLB Network, the Hall of Famer with us for a few minutes, and we're back with more after this timeout. And I said after I saw the San Diego State game in person and even watching them on television that Bryce Drew and GCU, they're going to be a problem for a lot of teams with their guards when we get to March. And I know that the coach is going to sit here and say, come on, dude, we're not even to February 1st, but I have to tell you, tonight you have Utah Valley. You have the second longest winning streak in the nation. You, to me, it feels like, coach, are well on track to make March interesting, at least off the top at the tournament in Vegas, which we will be at once again. And then March Madness, if things go the right way, do you feel like you're in that space? You're, you're heading the right direction, Bryce. Well, we definitely like the direction we're heading. Um, but you've been in sports long enough. Um, you know, things change very quickly. And so 
Um, you know, we really tried to keep the mindset of one game at a time and really focus in getting better week by week. Um, you know, we still have 50 some days to, to uh, the conference tournament. And so we want to keep trending up in these 50 days and try to be at our best come March. What do you want to see improved upon as we go into tonight's game and in those next 50 days? You're like, Brad, for us to be where we need to be, we got to get better here, here, here. Any coach will say, well, in all facets, is there anything in particular? Yeah, you know, um, the first gleaming thing that comes out is just our first halves. Um, our last three games, we were down 16, 9, and 14 all in the first half. And so we need to be able to come out um, and start games much better and not with those deficits. And um, so that's our first starting point. And then, you know, I, I think the next thing is getting healthy. You know, Javon Blackshear just got back mm-hmm. and he's starting to so, show some signs of, you know, who he used to be. And so the better he gets, the, the more it's going to help our team. The, uh, the guards, I talked about it. Do you still look at it and say, I got to get minutes over here for this player and this player? I got to figure out my minutes still. Or is it, Brad, as we go along, that's just going to take care of itself? A little bit of both. Um, you know, it's kind of a loaded question mm-hmm. um, that, that can vary game to game. You know, obviously, I want to get more guys' minutes and more guards' minutes to keep players fresh and fresh throughout the season. Um, but then again, if a player's in a good rhythm, you know, um, I will play them longer. Yeah. Um, not really do like uh, to do a pitch count. I know I really don't do a minute count. If he's playing really well and he looks fresh, you know, I, I want to try to win that game and give that player the opportunity. The, uh, the way that it's going into tonight's game, just look at tonight's game and give us a thought on this matchup. Yeah, you know, Utah Valley's uh, very big and very physical. Uh, they get to the free throw line a lot. And so, um, you know, I think a big thing is being able to play at a pace that we want to play at, you know, get up and down the court a little bit, um, you know, try to get some stops and get out transition. Uh, They do a very good job um, getting the ball inside and being very physical. Bryce Drew with us for a couple of minutes. Again, Utah Valley, that comes up tonight on campus at GCU to wrap up a three-game homestand and also second longest win streak in the nation. Does the win streak stuff get old when people say they're not ranked yet, what is going on? And how do you respond to that? Because I'm sure you're being asked that quite a bit. Yeah, you know, we're um, we're excited, you know, what's going on and, you know, where we're at. And, you know, we don't have control over things that happen on the outside. We can control, you know, our effort and our prep and that on the inside. So we're really locked in on that. And um, one game at a time, you know, we're all hands on deck, locked in for Thursdays. Um, you know, today's game. And then, you know, we'll um, we'll look to the next one after that. But we really don't get caught up with all the other stuff going on. I'm going to turn attention over to Gabe McLaughlin for a minute because I've known that young man back. My daughter went to school with him over at Basha. And so when I see him and it's, wow, okay, you're Methuselah, and he laughs a little bit. <laughs> What's he doing when he's done playing basketball, do you think, Bryce? He's just wired differently. I hear things he's doing in the community and it's like, wow, what's he what's he going to do, do you think, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road? Yeah, if you had to pick, you know, um, a GCU student that represents our school, you know, you would pick Gabe. If you had to pick, you know, a local product that went to high school in Phoenix and came to GCU, you know, you'd pick 
you know, a, a person player like Gabe and then what he's done with our program um, and his basketball, the level he's playing at um, is as good as anybody in the country right now. And so everything he brings together just as a local product, as a student, as an athlete, you know, as a representative of our campus, um, you know, he's top of the charts and so happy for him and the season he's having so far. So when basketball's done for him, ministry, coaching, business, motivation speaker, all the above. I already told him he could take my job. Yeah. <laughs> do the media thing, you know, do the media circus. And uh, yeah, he, he's gifted with a lot of, a lot of skills. And, you know, I think one of the, the, the one that comes to top, he's just really good with people. He's very caring about people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's very strong in his faith and he continues to grow in that. Um, as a player, you know, he, he's really taken his game to, to, to a higher level every year since he's been here. And um, the one you left out is actually engineering. He did get his engineering degree, so he could go help build bridges or buildings or, you know, all of that stuff too. Who's the player on your team that you feel like, you know, I get asked in interviews and group sessions, and this guy just doesn't get enough attention. As your season has progressed, it's people better be paying attention to what's going on. I know you could say the whole team, but is there a player that you feel like just needs to get a little bit more of without this guy, or I love where he's coming along at? Yeah, you know, uh, Colin Moore has been really good for us. You know, we kind of have the the three, you know, um, Ray, Gabe, Tyon that have been scoring for us. Uh, but Colin really brings a level of intensity. Um, you know, he's been our best defender and um, and really makes some spectacular plays that that ignite our crowd. And um, And so Colin's been a great addition to our team. Yeah. I remember your first practice, I was sitting with Jerry Colangelo and you guys are going through your thing and he kept leaning over. He's like, that's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> Just watch him, Brad. Just watch him. And um, the, the, I, I'm going to go back on something earlier about the guards and, and spreading the minutes. Are they complementing each other? Do you need to see a few more combinations? How does that work from a coaching standpoint with them? Yeah, combinations have been tough and, um, you know, it changes game to game. And, you know, we were out without uh, Josh Baker, Javon Blackshear at the beginning of the year, and then one came back, then the other. And so kind of getting a rhythm for rotation, that hasn't been as easy. Um, but it's also a good problem to have because we feel like, you know, we can go, you know, at least 10 players deep and and feel comfortable with all 10. And so it's kind of just game to game trying to find which rotations and which combinations are, are working. Good stuff. I appreciate your time, Bryce, as always. Thanks. Thank you. It's Drew with us, head coach GCU. They are in action tonight at home against Utah Valley on campus. And we're back with more after this timeout.